Welcome to episode one in our Empowered Birth podcast series. Today, we are talking all about the recipe for a positive birth experience. You're going to love this one. So enjoy. Hey, mama, I'm sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes. It's time for you to guide you through. Let's take some time for you. It's pregnancy with physio. Welcome back to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast. I am always at an all-time high when I am recording a podcast, but particularly when it is the start of a new series and this Empowered Birth series with the wonderful midwife Loretta. You can find her on Instagram at midwife Loretta is so powerful. There is real nuggets of gold. This is a four-part episode series. So stay tuned for all the episodes coming up. Make sure you do subscribe to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast. We're covering so many things. But today we're talking about the recipe for a positive birth experience. Now we're chatting today with the wonderful midwife Loretta. She is so warm, so friendly, so caring, so informative. So she is a mum, a midwife, a birth educator, acunedling midwife, which you may never have heard of, but it's super cool technique that you can use. And she's a supporter of all women. So she wants all women to have the best birth for them, however that looks, and to have the knowledge to confidently create that. And I really love this. And this is why I wanted to get Loretta on the podcast because And even the topic today about, you know, a positive birth experience, some people may assume that means a certain mode of delivery or a certain environment. Maybe they think it means a home birth with fairy lights. Maybe they think it means a vaginal birth. Maybe I'm not sure. But the purpose of today and the reason I got Loretta on is exactly like what she just said. It's about having the most positive and perfect birth experience for you. And that's what the theme of this entire podcast series is. We joke in the podcast about you do you boo, but that really is my ethos for everything. And also Loretta's it's about, there is not a perfect birth for every single person on this planet, but there is the perfect birth for you. And so What we talk about in the podcast today is talking about just all the things that you should know about and you can take what you want out of it to create that beautiful positive birth experience. It doesn't mean it's all going to work for you. It doesn't mean that's how your birth's going to pan out, but it's about giving you all the information that is available, that is backed by science, that is evidence-based, and then you take from that what feels really good for you. So it's just going to be such a wonderful series. Today, specifically, we are covering the importance of being private, safe, and unobserved in labor and birth. So we talk about how how you make a baby is how you need to birth a baby. We talk about how we should avoid the four L's and what they are and why they may pull you out of your birth bubble. We also talk about how you labor like you live and there is no one right way to birth. So we talk about how some people think, say, if you want to have a calm birth or a hypnobirth, that you need to be quiet and reserved and that that's the quote unquote best way to birth. And we just bust that myth completely because there is no one right way to birth. And we really want to make that clear to women that if you're loud or if you you know, make a lot of noise, that is perfect for you. There is no one right way to labor and birth. We also talk about pain. And I think this is really important. We reframe the idea of pain 
and how we don't need women to be saved. We need cheerleaders. We don't need rescuers in birth. And I think that's such a pivotal point for support people. So if you're listening to this podcast and it resonates with you, you may want to send this to your support person because I think it's really important that you're both on the same page and that they know that they are there to be your cheerleader. They don't need to save you. They don't need to rescue you. They need to support you and cheerlead for you. And knowing how pain works in labor and the importance and the function of it not the dysfunction or the pathology of it how important that is so yeah super super important and what we have coming up in this series as well so make sure you do subscribe so you don't miss out we're going to be covering optimal maternal and baby positioning we're going to be covering perineal preparation and how you can reduce your chances of having a perineal tear and we're also going to be covering birth plans and preferences and the importance of communicating what your ideal birth preferences are and why it is not setting you up to fail as some people may believe now if you are listening to this podcast and you are thinking yes give me all the birth knowledge i really want to be prepared informed educated surrounded by a community of women also trying to do the same thing i do encourage you to come and join us inside the pregnancy posse that is my online membership portal we have an entire section inside our resources library dedicated to preparing you for labor and birth now i don't take the winging it approach i do take the surrender approach for sure i do but winging it i don't think serves us because i think preparation is key now inside the resources library i have my hour and a half live active birth class that I filmed that is for you and your partners that in itself is worth its weight in gold I get so many reviews and feedback on how important that class was but I also have birth affirmations birth mantras breathing techniques for the active phase of labor and the pushing phase we cover so much there's a beautiful community of women we do our weekly workouts as well to keep you physically prepared and strong for labor so if that sounds like something that you want and that you really would like to be prepared for when it comes to mental and physical preparation for labor and birth come and join us it's thepregnancyposse.com you can trial it for seven days and i cannot wait to greet you on the inside send you a little video message and welcome you and answer all your questions so if that does feel good for you come and join us otherwise without further ado let's jump into this beautiful chat with midwife loretta all about how to create a recipe for a positive birth experience enjoy Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast, Loretta. As we were doing in our pre-show recording, I love your vibe. I think you've got such a beautiful mix of evidence-based, really sound information to share with women, but also so empowering. You're like the biggest cheerleader for a pregnant woman. And I just, I love that warmth that you convey. And I know that everyone listening to this will, will feel that. So thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Laura. I'm so excited to chat to you today. Well, we're going to start off with positive birth experiences. And so what I mean by that, and we were just talking about before as well, is like how a woman feels. And I want you to discuss with us what you think is like the ultimate recipe for a positive birth experience. Yeah, so I think for me, when we look at what kind of things are important to help create that positive experience for a woman? As we were talking in our little pre-chat, um, you know, it's not always about the type of birth that a woman has, but how she's made to feel. So what can we do 
to help a woman feel really safe, respected and supported. And so when we talk about a recipe, probably the key factors I would think about are, you know, those words of privacy, safety, um, and a woman being unobserved as well. So they would probably be the, the key things I would factor in. And so how would you, so I'm just thinking like a typical low risk woman laboring at home, what would you encourage? Would it be maybe from an environmental point of view, what would you encourage her to be thinking about in birth preparation to make sure that she feels private, safe and unobserved and then how she might transfer maybe some practical strategies and things into the hospital to also feel those things as well? Do you have any tips? Yeah, so I think... At the start, one of the most important questions for women to ask themselves would be, to, you know, as simple as what makes you feel safe and where do you feel most safe? So when it comes to, you know, choosing your place of birth and who you choose as your care provider, I think that's a really key question to ask because we know that when women feel safe, they're supporting their nervous systems and those beautiful hormones of birth that help labor to progress and also help women, you know, to work with pain and that sort of thing. So the key things, and this is what Michelle O'Donnell, who is a French obstetrician, I'm not sure if you've heard of him, Laura, no. um, talks about to create that private, safe, unobserved recipe. So he talks about avoiding the four L's. So that is the first one is language. So trying to avoid too much talking, um, lots of conversation and sort of anything that is pulling the woman out of that, you know, just being in labour space, in that labour land space. So for partners that would be, you know, anticipating needs and really being mindful of the environment around the woman, whether that be at home or if they're birthing in hospital. Uh, the other, the next L is so looking and listeners. So being a woman feeling like she's being observed and watched is really going to, again, pull her out of that safety space and maybe start her, you know, being distracted by what's going on around her in the room. And, you know, we are mammals and just like other mammals, I don't know if you know, if you've had, you know, cats or dogs or other animals, typically they go away, they find somewhere quiet and dark to birth because that's where they feel safe. And we are generally very similar in that way when we want to birth. So, you know, having lots of unnecessary people in the room, um, feeling that you're being watched is not helpful to support that birthing process and those beautiful hormones. So that, you know, is all about choosing that support team really wisely as well and making sure you feel really like, like you have that trust and safety in the people in, you've chosen to have in the birth space. Uh, the fourth L is light. So again, melatonin works with oxytocin to help create effective contractions. So typically we have higher rates of melatonin when we're in darker spaces. So it's the hormone that helps induce sleep. So often accounts for why a lot of women will go into labour um, at night if they're you know left to go into labor by themselves uh, so we want to create a nice um, dark or dimly lit space so if you're you know doing your early labor at home maybe just being mindful of that and again your support people will hopefully be aware of that uh, and then if you're moving into hospital things like yeah just putting the blinds down dimming the lights even just having your little eye mask on during the transfer um, and again, not it doesn't worry all women, but I think 
it's probably even more important if you're going into that more clinical space of a hospital that you're really doing everything you can to make yourself feel safe in that space even though it's more clinical and not that home-like environment and we can do that just by making it a bit darker um yeah so that that would be my my tips for doing that I've never transferred in labor so I don't know how it works but obviously you work in a hospital so you're an expert in this would that be a conversation that the woman would have to initiate or would you as a midwife just know okay I'm going to go roll the curtains down I'm going to would you already have done that ahead or is that something that the woman or her partner maybe need to prepare to ask when they arrive at hospital yeah I think it depends on you know every midwife I suppose I think on the whole, most midwives would be really aware of that, hopefully, uh, and something that we would definitely try to do. But, you know, sometimes we just get busy. We might forget those basic things that are really important. So that's why I love, you know, for your birth plan, getting really clear on that, what you want, talking about your environment, you could pop it on there, talking to your care provider during pregnancy about, you know, the things you want in your environment as well. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a great thing. I always talk to partners about this. It's a simple thing that they can do to be aware of the space. And they're kind of like the holders of that, that space around the woman. So Mm -hmm. I feel like that's kind of their responsibility, you know, partners or birth support people to really be mindful of that. Um, So that, because you don't want the woman to have to be thinking about that stuff. We want her to just be doing whatever she needs to do. Yeah. And from my own experience, I 100% agree with everything you just said. I had quite a long labor. So there's a few sunrises and sunsets that I saw, but (laughs) I remember my husband, so all my curtains were drawn in the house and it was quite dark and I did have a salt lamp on, but that's very like low light. And I remember he said to me one morning, do you want me to open the curtains, get some fresh air? And I was like, no, like I could not think of anything worse than the the daylight just like piercing my eyeballs that would have just thrown me right off course like it actually made me angry at the thought of opening the curtains and I think part of that as well like it's it's fairly private where I am but if I open the curtains potentially someone on the street could see me and that comes into that unobserved part there's no way I wanted anyone to see me like I think even if a neighbor had have knocked on the door it would just would have been the last thing I would have wanted to entertain and I do remember you know, because I had a severe craving for a specific type of lolly snake. So I did get in the car, of course, you know, like I'd never had a natural confectionery snake in my life, really. It'd been years and I had to have it. So I did get in the car and I just remember thinking like, I just want to like go incognito. I don't want anyone to see me right now. And I wasn't really even in the deepest throes of labor, but I just did not want to be watched. Mm -hmm. And I did think about that if I had a whole room of women or people or clinicians or someone around me that I wondered how that would have made me feel. Cause it really was something I wanted to keep really private. And I didn't know that till I guess I was in the throes of it. Um, so yeah, that definitely worked for me, like the dark spaces and not being observed and language as well. My husband only ever gave me short sentences. And if he ever tried to like ask me an intellectual question, mm. it was too much. It was just like, we needed to have sorted that out before birth. And I'm glad we kind of did. He didn't really need to ask me too much because mm-hmm. I just wasn't in the headspace to want to actually have to think. I wanted to be in my body or well, not even consciously. It's just like I couldn't use my brain. It was like my body was birthing. I couldn't use my brain. And I remember when my doula came as well, I was starting to struggle then really like was starting to feel like 
you know, like I was about to give up and I couldn't do this anymore, all those classic transition signs. And she suggested the birth pool. And I just remember being like, I'm so glad someone is guiding me right now because I couldn't have used my brain to go, well, I've used the tens and I've done this. (laughs) You know, "Mm, what's left in my toolkit that I haven't done? And it made me think it's so good to have a birth partner or a doula or a midwife or whoever's on your team with the guidance there because it shouldn't be up to you to have to think about oh okay well this isn't working now what next like it's and labor aid like I was drinking um like this labor hydrolyte sort of thing and I would have been so dehydrated if I had had to think about that but they just kept putting straws in my mouth pretty much and saying have a sip and I was like okay that's cool I'll have a sip that's not bothering me it's not disturbing me but I just think oh that was really great that I didn't have to go oh hang on guys, I haven't drunk much. I guess we should, you know, like I just didn't have to think about that. And it just really reiterates to me how important the preparation and having the birth team is. And another thing you said about being private, safe and unobserved. And I know a lot of people say this, but in case anyone hasn't heard it, but they talk about how you make a baby is how you should birth a baby. So the idea that wherever you feel comfortable enough to make love, that's a great environment to birth a baby. Now, each to their own, but being outside broad daylight, people watching, probably not where most people <laughs> No. <laughs> well, maybe you do, but I don't know how comfortable you might feel. Like you said. <laughs> That's so, such a good point. It's such a good way to picture that ideal birth space, isn't it? That, yeah, it's that same hormone, like oxytocin is at play. So, yeah, what can we do to maximise that? Yeah. So I love that. And I just think that is such a beautiful recipe to help you understand how your body best births, you know, what environment, what situations hormonally, this is not just something we've plucked from thin air. Like this is a hormonal strategy that this is actually what helps. So I think it's amazing. Now I wanted to talk to you about pain as well. When we're talking about positive birth experiences, I know a lot of women are scared of labor. I'm sure you've come across these women are, are really fearful of labor pain, if that's what you want to call it. Some women don't even call it that. But what's your ethos on labor pain? Can you maybe dive into what you think labor pain is and maybe help those women who are feeling a little bit timid about it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, I want to validate those fears around it too. It's it's so normal to feel like that. It's such a big event and it's the unknown and you know, we're fed so much, uh, you know, the way that we are shown birth in the media, in movies, TV shows, honestly, I find it really hard to watch a lot of birth scenes because they're always highly medicalized. And I'm not saying there's not a place for that, but they're often quite sterile, quite um, often emergency situations, like the waters break, the woman has to run to the hospital or you know, and it doesn't often happen like that. Sometimes it does, but that's probably more rare. Um, so it's so normal. And I think that's an important part of your birth preparation too, is to look at, okay, what am I actually believing about labour and birth? What stories am I telling myself? Um, and for your birth support person or your partner as well, um, because you bring that with you. So you're going to base your experience and how you're thinking about it leading up to the big day on those beliefs. So that's really important. Are they credible? Can I change them if they're not helpful? Mm -hmm. Um, And really getting some good information and doing some independent birth education to hopefully change those views and get some more information around them. Because 
I think with fear, there's often those fears that we have because we don't have the knowledge around them. So maybe like little things like, oh, when do I go into hospital or um, where do I park? And then we have other fears that, you know, sometimes we when we go into that challenge zone so if we're feeling scared of something because we know that labor is going to be hard work and it's going to challenge us but maybe we can learn some ways to firstly understand it and then work with it and help us step outside our comfort zone and into that challenge zone and so then that fear can be a really positive thing and I don't think it's realistic to say that you don't, you won't have, shouldn't have any fear going into labour and birth, because I just think that's for a lot of women not going to be possible. So with that in mind, when we're talking about pain, obviously a really common fear for women, I think culturally we don't value the experience of pain in labour. You know, I think we look at our elite athletes and we kind of see them working at their peak and we're a little bit in awe of them and we don't look at them as needing to be saved uh, whereas when we look at women in labor often there is that perception that oh we need to fix it or we need to change it and that's a real cultural thing you know in Australia um, and other countries where there's more you know higher intervention rates and that sort of thing so if we step um, that back a little I think it can be really helpful when we're looking at labor pain what is it actually doing so when all is well and the body is working normally we call that physiological pain so the pain of labor is physiological it's the body carrying out a function that it's designed to do so the uterus is a muscle and it's working hard and doing what it's meant to do and then creating all of these sensations that women feel and experience and then we look at an, another type of pain, which we call um, pathological pain. And that's very different. So that's pain that we experience as a result of illness or injury. It's, you know, our body's alarm system telling us to maybe stop or slow down or there's something wrong. And so I think if we can understand that labor pain is as a result of our body doing what it's meant to do, then sometimes that can help us reduce the fear and not just for the woman, but also for her support person, because I think that's a big factor. I often see, you know, partners, they can almost start to feel a little bit um, frustrated, maybe with us as the midwives, not always. Um, but having that mindset of why she's really struggling, why aren't you helping her? Why aren't you fixing her? And that just comes back to that you know, not having the understanding that we're seeing that as normal, that it's not necessarily something the woman needs to be saved from. Of course, you know, there's situations where we would offer pain relief or, or recommend it. But if all is going well, the woman's working with pain, then we don't need to save her. And one of my favourite sayings is we don't need, um, we need cheerleaders, not rescuers. So if we can have that understanding from the woman and her support people to go, we know it's going to be challenging and hard work, but it's also normal and not something we need to be scared of and run away from. Mm -hmm. So then we're more able to, firstly, for support people, sit with it and help her work through the challenges and hopefully for the woman, allow her to, to trust her body that it's doing what it's meant to do. Amazing. I, I, I agree with everything you've just said and I think that that support person piece is so key 
Uh, I remember doing a Rhea Dempsey birth course and she showed a photo of Kathy Freeman at the height of physical exhaustion in one of her races. And, you know, her mouth was open. She was kind of struggling with a bit of pain and challenge. And she said, what, what does that evoke in you? And everyone was like, you know, like she's working hard. We're so proud of her. She's doing amazing, blah, blah, blah. And then on the next slide, she showed a woman laboring who pretty much had the same facial expression. And even I noticed myself and I was like, wow, because I knew, you know, what she was trying to elicit from us. But my reaction and many people's reaction was like, oh, the poor thing. Like, look at her. She looks like she's struggling, you know, exactly the same facial expression. But again, these deeply ingrained societal norms that we're like, oh, we need to save her. Like this poor woman laboring versus a Kathy Freeman. We don't go, oh, you poor thing. Your muscles must be so sore. We're like, no, you're epic. Your body is doing what, you know, you want Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, and it's, it's hard. I totally acknowledge how hard it is to rewrite those stories, but I do agree because she also, Bria, mentioned there was a study done where um, they, I'm going to butcher it, but essentially they asked partners to like rate their satisfaction, I think, of like how they thought labor and birth went. And essentially giving their partner an epidural mm-hmm. dramatically improved their satisfaction rates because they struggled so much to see their partner's struggling, challenged, in pain, even though it's normal, it's physiological, everything was going well, they found it really, really hard. And so they were talking about how important it was, yes, like you said, to get your partner on board. And we're not saying pain relief is bad, but to avoid epidurals and things like that, if that is not part of your birth plan, because a lot of it is because your partner is finding it hard to cope and they want to fix it. You know, they're such fix-its, aren't they? Like I, I, for me, my partner, my husband is a real fix-it guy. It's like, I'm sad. And he's like, okay, what's the solution? I'm like, I I just need to cry. You don't need need to fix it. (laughs) And I think it's so important that they, yeah, are on the same page. I really hope that any uh, pregnant woman listening to this is also like, oh, I might flick this to my partner so that they are my cheerleader, not my rescuer. I love that quote. I think that's really, really important. And you obviously see it a lot in the hospital. Yeah. I'm sure where maybe mum is going really well, but partner's not faring so well. And it it comes from a loving place, of course. It's so hard to see someone you love in pain, but it is typically we're used to that when there's something wrong. So, of course, we have those associations. And I also think, Laura, taking it a step further, not just partners, but your care provider. Yes. Like, are they coming into the room trying to save you and that is often what I see a lot of and it's it's a really complex thing and it it comes back to that difference between you know obstetrics and midwifery and how as midwives we see labor and birth as normal and you know obstetric the obstetric view can be a little bit more um, about birth being risky and not necessarily that normal physiological function. And that is not all obstetricians. I don't mean that at all because there are some that have more of a balanced view. But typically, you know, I see if a woman, she might be working really well, working really hard, she's doing it the way she wants to. And then maybe they might come into the room and say, oh, you look really tired. Would you like the epidural now? And again, I have nothing against epidurals. If that's what you want, you go for it. And there are places where it's helpful um, and supportive 
But you can imagine what that those comments do to a woman who she's in her challenge zone, um, how that can derail her from continuing to work with it because she's she's questioning, oh, maybe this is going to take forever. Maybe I should get that epidural. And it just throws all of that into her mindset, which is yeah. not helpful. Yeah, I agree. And I guess this is where we're going to talk in a later episode about it, but this is probably where birth preparation, birth planning, birth preferences becomes really important because you get to set that before you go in so that um, everyone's on the same page and it's not surprise, you know, and it's not something that, oh, we haven't talked about this. So like I can tell you right now, if you had offered me an epidural at day three of my labor, I 110% would have taken it because I was struggling. And I'm so grateful that it wasn't an option for me because I had the best experience. And I'm not saying you can't, again, I feel I'm so sick of all the prefacing, to be honest, but I do feel like I need to say, I am all for you do you. I'm not, you know, saying anything is good, right, wrong, bad. I'm just saying a lot of women at that transition point really struggling. And if something is offered to them, to save them they're probably going to say yes even though they probably could have done it if they just got over that hump I guess if the team was supportive of it being a normal physiological part of labor and that you were doing an amazing job and you don't need to be rescued right now and you you've got this sort of thing so I guess it's like a case-by-case basis as well I know a lot of women who will say that they were struggling and mentally were really flopping and they felt really unsupported because they couldn't get the relief yes. that they, you know, they asked for relief and they wanted relief and they were struggling and they were told, no, 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 you've got this honey, sweetie, whatever. And they felt so patronized and so, un, you know, supported. And I get that as well. It's so, so I guess it's a case by case basis. But again, I think this is where if you come into birth with a really good communication with your team, mm-hmm. with great birth preferences set out, then your midwife knows, you know what, Laura, I know this was important to you and I know you're struggling, but we're going to get through this versus someone who says, you know what, I am 100% hunky-dory for the epidural. So if I ask for it, give it to me, there's going to be a different situation. So I guess it's about that preparation, which we will get onto later. But let's stay in the realm of like creating that positive birth experience, working with pain, understanding pain is physiological. I know you're an amazing calm birth practitioner and you you teach many a calm birth class. Do you have any um, like top tips from a calm birthing perspective that maybe women could go away and practice to help them understand how they might work with their labor? Mm, yeah, I definitely do. So I think it's similar to what we've talked about, Laura, and I think a lot of the, like the real wisdom in calm birth is probably the psychology of birth that we've sort of touched on and, you know, breaking down what your beliefs are and how they relate to, you know, your birth experience, those of your partner, um, and just getting that really holistic knowledge of birth. So understanding the process, how to work with it, and then sort of building the tools to do that. So the mindset tools, as well as the practical hands-on tools, because, you know, labor and birth, as we talked about, it's not, it doesn't happen in isolation of those things. So you bring all of that to you, all of that kind of baggage in a way um, to your birth experience, as does your partner. So I think it is, yeah, I I love that it, it brings that whole kind of package um, to the woman's kind of birth toolkit in a way and her partner's. Yeah, and I agree. And look, that's probably, 
if you're anything like me, you're probably like, oh, that's so frustrating. I want to know like where to push on your back and, you know, what breathing strategy to do. Yes. When I went and did um, Rhea Dempsey's birth course, yeah. I remember walking in thinking, fantastic, I'm going to learn acupressure. I'm going to learn, you know, all these practical tools and tips and all the things that are going to get me you know, through labor. And the course was actually very much so about what are your beliefs around birth? Do you have the right support team who mirror your beliefs? What is your partner's beliefs? Blah, blah, blah. It was like a counseling session, to be honest. It was like a real deep marital <laughs> therapy session. But it was exactly what we needed. It was actually exactly what we needed. Like asking ourselves what our fears are and like what, you know, do we trust birth and, um, you know, what our preferences are and all of those things. So for anyone who is listening, who's like, oh, damn it, I wanted the three-step process that like, you know, the positive, amazing birth experience. It is actually murkier than that. It's like all the questions, sitting down with your partner and talking about all of this. So I think... That, that's really important to acknowledge that it's not as simple as like if everyone presses the right spot on your sacrum and does the right breathing strategy, then that's exactly what you need to do to get a really positive. That's right. It's and it's, <laughs> not, it's like doing the work, isn't it? It's like we prepare for other things, we research other things, but it's really investing the time together mm-hmm. and doing that work and practicing it, practicing those mindset tools, practicing the even the hands-on tools because mm-hmm. – you get out of it what you put in to a large extent. And yes. yeah, I think we need, yeah, it's almost seen as like with birth plans, there's a bit of stigma around that. And of course you can't, you can't predict how your birth will play out, but if you can put these strategies into place and practice them so they become almost automatic, then mm. you're really helping to set yourself up for that birth that you do want, um, having that communication, practicing those things. And so for calm birth, for those women who might be thinking that it's all just like sitting in a circle doing meditation, can you maybe just, because I know some people steer away from calm birth because they think that they're not inclined to like breathe through labor. Could you maybe just bust that? Because I, I don't believe that to be true. Is that right? Yeah, no, not at all. I think it is a bit of a misconception, isn't it? Maybe the name calm birth that you have to birth in a certain way, like you have to be meditative and quiet and but that's all, that's so unrealistic. Again, some women will. I love that saying, you know, you labor how you live. So I was, I always thought, oh God, wow, I was so vocal and so loud. But you know, I love talking. I was never going to labor quietly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so there is that misconception. It's really about, yeah, that mindset preparation, the practical tools, learning about it all. And we talk about not just normal birth, but all possibilities. So cesarean, induction, if you want to have an epidural and how to work with and apply those same tools to each of those scenarios. Because, you know, again, it's it's often not how the baby is born, but how you felt. And if you felt prepared, like you had the information, you knew how to work with it, regardless of how that plays out, then you're more likely to experience your birth as positive. Mm. So it's really focusing on how can we make it positive, even if it doesn't go the way we planned, even if our baby needed to be born differently to how we wanted, Mm. but still focusing on that, you know, the joy of welcoming your baby and making it great regardless of yeah whatever happens I suppose I love that I I love that message because I think it's not about the outcome of doing a calm birth class is to have a natural physiological birth and that's the only outcome that is deemed successful 
Um, yeah. It's about, like you said, the way you feel and feeling informed, feeling confident and being prepared, I guess, for a whole range of scenarios, but making sure that regardless of how it goes, that you still feel like you're in the driver's seat. Um, and I've never heard the quote, you labor how you live, but that 100% yeah. panned out for me because I was so loud and <laughs> I am quite extroverted, like, yeah, love a chat, you know, like I'm not a quiet little mouse and I swear really badly and I swore really badly in my labor. And I remember thinking like, I, I don't know if I have an explicit warning, but anyway, the F word. And I was just like, <laughs> screaming the F word at the top of my voice. And I remember my husband hate swearing and he was probably dying on the inside because all my neighbors I swear they must have heard me but it's just how I am that's just who I am I can't help it and you're definitely not going to put a filter on yourself when you are laboring however in saying that I know a lot of women in the wrong environment who feel really judged for how they are laboring I had a friend who is very vocal and she still carries a lot of shame around this because she was told something so stupid along the lines of like oh you're really like making a drama out of that aren't you oh my god like she was just moaning through a contraction but she was made to feel that that was wrong so I think it's really good to bust that because a lot of women when they think calm birth hypnobirth they think that labor should be you just going internal and just really quietly you know vocalizing but I think it's so great you mentioned that you know you you can labor however you want and it's all okay you're not dramatic you're not making a scene you're not blowing it out of proportion like you can be having very mild contractions but you might want to scream through them and that's cool it's it's you do you it's not you're not trying to make a drama you're just doing what feels good for your body so I think it's really good to note that calm birth hypnobirth whatever it is it's not about being quiet in labor. No, it's about it's, having yeah. really practical strategies to help you. And making noise, vocalizing is can feel really good. It's a really great working with pain strategy. Like it can calm your nervous system. It's, yeah, it's like the most primal thing you'll ever do. No, so why can we expect women to be quiet and not vocalize? It's really mm. unrealistic and we can't, We've got to leave those inhibitions at the door and not worry about what anyone thinks. Well, it's like it reminds me again, like how you um, make a baby is how you birth a baby. And it's like, who's got a nice sounding orgasm voice? (laughs) Not that many people, you know, like you're not trying or you shouldn't be trying to like quieten your orgasm sounds. So don't quieten your birth sounds. Like just let it out, whatever the body wants to express. It's love a- that. There's so much wisdom in like the similarities around making babies and yeah, birthing babies. Love yeah, it. So good. No, that's awesome. Hello, ladies. I so, so, so hope that you love that episode. And if that some of those concepts were new to you, that you give yourself a little bit of time to just sit with it and recalibrate. Maybe you have to change some of the stories you had around what pain means in birth. Maybe you're still trying to understand, yeah, but isn't it going to be really awful? Or, And it, we're not at all saying it's not going to be awful. Like my experience of it is my pain was so functional and so physiological and so natural, but also probably the worst thing I felt. But it's, it's just that the mindset was... It wasn't hurting me. It wasn't a bad thing. I knew that that was a discomfort I needed to lean into. So it's not at all about saying that birth isn't painful. It's just about reframing what pain is. And I think if you can take anything away from this podcast as well, that 
the private, safe and unobserved bit is so important. So regardless of where you're birthing, hospital, home, birth center, or how you're birthing from a delivery point of view, you know, whether it's, you know, laboring a long time at home, transferring at the last minute, whether it's being induced and therefore laboring your entire time at hospital, having a C-section, whatever it is, you can still incorporate that private, safe and unobserved as much as possible. You can still try and pull out elements of that so that you do still have this beautiful, calm, positive birth experience. So I think that's a really key factor to to really try and pull out of this episode. And again, like I mentioned at the start, it's not about having the quote unquote perfect birth experience because your perfect birth experience is going to be different from mine. So we all have different preferences. So it's just important to really pull out what works for you so that you can have the best experience for you regardless of how that looks on paper. Uh, So yeah, I really hope that you love that episode. Stay tuned because we have three amazing episodes coming up. We will be covering birth plans and preferences, which coming on from that chat about like you do you and make sure it's the perfect experience for you. That is the episode you need to listen to to make sure that you tune into that. We're also going to be covering the optimal baby and maternal positioning when it comes to head down, breach, posterior. We're going to cover all of those scenarios and we're also going to be talking about perineal preparation and recovery. Now, speaking of perineal preparation, if you would like access to Loretta's free guide for all members, she's created this peri-what guide. So she talks you through what your perineum is, how to reduce your risk of tearing, you know, how to recover after birth. If you have had some problems in that area, she covers everything to do with perineal preparation and recovery. And she has provided this to all Pregnancy Posse members, which is so special and so lovely. So if you would like to access her free perineal guide, that is available free to all Pregnancy Posse members. So you can jump on thepregnancyposse.com to join us, a beautiful community of women. If you want to learn how to prepare for labor and birth mentally and physically, we have so much covered in there with our resources, our weekly workouts and this podcast bonus material. So I really do encourage you to come and join me inside there and I will catch you soon for episode two in this Empowered Birth series where we are going to be covering birth plans and birth preferences and how important they are. So have a wonderful day, mamas. I hope wherever you are right now that you are taking some time out for yourself and you are being kind to yourself and connecting with baby if you are pregnant, which I assume you are. And I will catch you all soon for episode two. Bye for now.